Good morning. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. <clears throat> and just putting the phone, aka the recording device, into a old glove, winter glove. It seemed to work yesterday. It was weird though because I was getting near the end of the episode and I decided to check the phone so I pulled it out of the uh, glove and the shown the the phone shut down uh, right away because it was it was too cold so we're just getting out out of the gate It's it's too soon for the piper at the gate of dawn. Maybe when we get back, we will see Pan in all of his furry-legged glory. <clears throat> okay, uh, a topic just to dive in right away. I picked up a habit from screenwriting when I was at Vancouver Film School, one of the instructors showed us this technique for uh, looking at characters uh, individually, looking at their arcs. So you take a piece of paper and then you draw a series of arcs for your you know, main character and your secondary characters. Or say, a group of characters you want to work on, or just even one character a couple characters to see how they're bouncing off of each other. So you draw this arc, like a bridge, and uh, sort of divide it up into the acts. So you have um, four equal parts. You know, divide you know, your arc first in half and then in quarters. There's your first the, f- the first part of the arc is your first act. Then the last part of your arc is the third act. In between are the two halves of the second act. Why have two halves, you might ask? Um, for a while, it was looked at... Sort of the, you know, screenwriters in the industry would just treat it as this huge... Uh, heavy load of uh, an act. So the second act was this sort of lumbering um, lumbering beast. But it's pretty much agreed on that it can be split in half. So you end up with two smaller acts. And, and they, they turn out to be equal size um, to the first and the third. So the two in the middle are the same length. It's, I, I suggest it as a way of busting up your novel into um, four parts. Or say, however you're going to arrange it, that you have some kind of structure like that. Why? Expectation? Uh, readership? Uh, these days, especially if you're writing for, you know, en masse, you're not doing, you know, the literary wander and, what is it, an ekphrasis on every flower that you come across. Moss, don't make fun of us. Oh, but you're such an easy target, you literary types. I can say this. <laughs> I've, I've been amongst them. Those, uh, those, those word burglars. And two, I, I rip off liberally from uh, uh, literary uh, fiction. Literary devices. I was just talking with Oracular Beard on Twitter just like a couple days ago. And I, I was trying to take him, not take him to school, but I was sort of inviting him to... Uh, Uh, to take a, what is it, I said something about, I asked about his 
his post-apocalyptic fantasy uh, poetry. Um, and I just went ahead and called it, you know, that it's an epic poem. Uh, he said, though, that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's not just, not just poetry. So we shall see. And I, a part of the invitation was that there is, oh, I said there's a long tradition of uh, fantasy in poetry. It starts, fantasy starts in poetry. You know, you go back to the orated, the spoken uh, poetry that, say, that predates Homer. You know, and going back, and of course, you know, uh, stories, fantasy stories are being told around the campfire as our Neolithic ancestors, uh, and before and after, you know, are going about their lives much like our own. So back to character arcs. So, in looking at these character arcs, today I did, I think it was about six, and I have, so I, on one page, uh, I have six arcs drawn, I have the names beside the arcs, I've divided the arcs up into, into the four quarters. And so what I'm looking for is the, the highs and the lows. I'm looking for the peaks and the valleys. Uh, the, the, the most important, the, the, the one on the top, is between... Um, the main character and the antagonist. On Twitter, it's often the main character is called the MC. You know, people are looking for you know to how to sort of how can we shorten words and then come up with a uh, come up with a, with a description. I was I was thinking, you know, if MC is main character and not master of ceremonies, then what is the uh, antagonist or the you know the villain? So it's a character. It's not the main character. Would it be the anti-character, the AC? trying to think of what the opposite of main would be because main is kind of a centralized word or uh, it's the main street it's where the focus is the water mains you know they carry the water so I like I like anti character because it's kind of like antagonist. I'll have to shop that around. Ooh, that was one thing I wanted to get in somewhere was that when I was in creative writing classes, and then beyond that, we would talk about workshopping, and I don't hear that being used. Uh, occasionally, it'll come up if someone is doing creative writing. They'll talk about oh, I did a workshop. And I remember using the term with other writers who had done creative writing classes, and we would talk about workshopping. So it's... I don't know if it's a new usage, but I kind of miss it. It had a kind of utilitarian feel to it. Back to these character arcs. So, from 
and, uh, one thing that's happening right now is that I am I'm editing a chapter. I'm editing kind of the first episode of a serialized piece of fiction. I'm not quite sure of the terminology. Is it the first part? Is it the first chapter? Just passing this house where the fence, where the gate is, it has this, it's illuminated. So that's interesting. It, uh, and two, usually it's off. So that's inter- un- unusual. It's like, well, why would they, why did they have it on? Maybe they were trying to sort of let people know. Ooh, it's cold. But, this, but the stars are out. That's nice. Okay. So, I'm doing, I'm doing a, really it's a small story. It has a number of functions. It's got to hook, and I've checked with some people and they say, yep, that's, you know, that's a fan, hello. Uh, That's a fantasy uh, story hook. And, um, and nice too, because some other writers said, you know, send me chapter two. So that was a good sign. Synergy. We're all working together. So, uh, this, this first chapter, the other, yeah, so I want it to be tight. I want it to work. Like I, I I want it to really work. When I did my book, I, I, suspect the most uh, amount of time I put into it was with the, the first chapter, the first part. And so this is feels a bit similar, but it's more focused. I don't have a full manuscript. I have, I have this, the main characters established. I have a backstory. And so... I, I, yeah, so I want it to be tight. I'm going back to my screenplay manual, and I'm applying the the three-act. Really, it's the four-act, but it's the three-act where the second act is broken in half. And I'm applying the um, tricks and tips of this screenplay writing manual uh, to this short story slash first chapter. Right. So, how do the arcs apply? Uh, so I, I go through, starting with my main character, and I'm looking at the arc, and so let's see, uh, w- within this chapter, there's a uh, crisis and a climax. Uh, before the climax, there's a false success. Before that, well, the false success is in the right in between. It's in the middle of the um, story structure. Before that, we have rising. So we're rising to the false success and then falling into the uh, to the crisis. For, uh, this this rising. It, there's a there's a point which I, I, I've been led to believe and I, I this is how I work is that the end of the first act is this is the beginning of the rise in the second and so in the first uh, in the first act we have this shock and then this uh, the beginning of this fall we have this sort of normality, and then we're starting to fall, and we have to sort of make a decision to get out of there. Uh, actually, I inadvertently had written in a kind of three-act structure, and uh, 
the, the difference, though, is that, let's see, the second act, this long second act, is a, is a flashback. And I've, I've gotten some, some uh, different opinions on it. And some people are, are saying, you know, there's something, it's not quite working because, you know, we have, in the first act, there's this chase happening. It's this uh, mounted chase, and um, the main character is on this horse and running away. And then all of a sudden we have this flashback, and so, so that's something I'm still looking at. Is there a way that I can still do this? Do I have to scrap the whole thing? Uh, I mean, the uh, the flashback. Is there a way that I can still have it? Maybe it ought to be where. Maybe it ought to be say that I have the. F- don't do a flashback, but just do it sort of sequentially like do kind of a prologue, that the flashback is actually the prologue, and then we go into this action, chase on the horse. I'm a bit leery of prologues, though. I, I, I don't think I've really encountered an effective one. Oh, uh, the Harry Potter one. A little argument, though, is that he's in it. Like, he's, he's kind of not in it, but he's in it. He's, you know, it's all about him. It's talked about. He's, uh, he, you know, he's a baby, so he's not really interacting, but, you know, there's a lot of sort of care and attention put. put. I think the, the worst one for me was reading this fantasy novel that started off with a ancient kind of curse. And we're in the distant past, and this—it's kind of like a mummy's curse thing, where you know this powerful wizard is entombed, sort of. Uh, it was a bit vague. the The writing was not was not clear on on all points. It was dramatic. There was conflict. But it, uh, I could even feel myself as I was reading it. I was, I was feeling like this ought to be cut. (laughs) So it'd be cut and I don't know, you know, used in exposition or something, you know, just describe the events that happened. Why? Uh, I just, I just didn't connect. There was no, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care about this character. And the thing, too, is that it's not the main character. We're in the distant past, and then prologue's over, and okay, now invest in the main character. But we'll see. Early days still. This is only halfway through the drafts. Gosh, really, not, not even, but yeah. Okay, so... I wonder if I can keep the phone warm by blowing, blowing into the, into the wool like it's a, uh, you know how you warm up your hands, sort of cup your hands and blow up, blow into them. Well, so the, the, the main character in the arc, I'm going for the crisis Okay, first it's the first it's the climax. Working backwards, it's, it's weirdly a bit easier, at least for me. Uh, so the climax is reaching this hill. This is they're racing towards this hill. There's stuff at the hill that's going to help them uh, protect themselves, defend themselves. Yeah, so that's that's the climax. So I have that down. Uh, just say structurally. And then the crisis before that is, I know there's a failure. Uh, there is a failure. And, and, and so I'm going, okay, 
uh, it's this kind of doubt, you know, this feeling that they're not going to make it uh, to the hill. Uh, if I use the flashback, the the middle of this three act structure would be in the um, in the flashback, and I'm imagining it as as this false success of creating this uh, magic sword that is going to help the main character. Uh, he's he's found this island, made the sword. Moving, yeah, so that's the false success in the middle, and then moving back to the uh, beginning of this this second act, the arc second act, that it's about encountering this uh, dragon who's going to help out with making this sword. And then finally, the first act of this uh, arc is about reaching this hill. So far, so good. Things to consider. The the emotional content, the emotional conflict. The physical is all there. Uh, But the emotional is required to establish this this character, but also to sort of give um, a connection to the audience. Why should I read this, you know, follow this character? You know, what, uh, why invest in this? This is kind of getting into the propaganda of the whole thing, right? What is the, what is the ideology that we're discussing here? What's the argument? And in, in considering uh, this connection to the main character and feeling for that character it it, it has it has to do with you know emotional the emotional content the ethic the um, the morals of the character is this a you know an upstanding and two upstanding can be there's a million different ways of saying upstanding there's a million different cultures, subcultures, you know, with with different views on how things ought to be done. But this is being targeted at a particular group. You know, that that are into this kind of thing. So so how do we do that? Internal conflict. We're looking at the internal conflict going on in this uh, first chapter installment. One of the questions I got back from from the feedback from other writers was uh, why? You know, why is this being done? Like, why is it so important to um, do this? Why is this adventure happening? The, the villain of the piece, which I'll get into later, but, uh, yeah, what's the motivation? There's a couple things going on. Bonding with this child, uh, the main character's rescued this baby, and then, uh, so there's opportunities to talk about, well, you know, Oh, rescue. Well, something was, you know, going to happen to this baby, and, you know, who or what, what's the situation? Um, so that, that's something that I'm building. Uh, building, exploring, establishing. Let's move on to the, to the villain's arc. Villains, the villain's arc is in contrast. It's a mirror. It's, it's a tragic arc. It's not, uh, I'm going to use the term, it's not, it's, it's, I'm going to use the term, the comedic, not in the 
contemporary sense, but in the classical sense. I think better word might be dramatic. Uh, the the main character, at least the arc for this chapter, it's it's on a it ends on a positive note. So the villains is a, is going to do the opposite. It doesn't have to, but you know that's what I've chosen for this, is that there is uh, the success is the reaching of the hill. Uh, during the crisis, it looks so. Uh, sorry, you know, for this, for the antagonist, it's it's a tragic arc, and all of the the values are opposite. So at the climax, it's a failure for the antagonist. Uh, at the crisis, for the main character, the protagonist. It's it's the opposite. It's it's a false success for the antagonist, and then you you would go back and you would reverse all of these. Again, you don't have to. Also, it's about how you load the those plot points. You know, is this a? And it could be it could be a very minor success, but also a, a very huge failure for, you know, either one of them. One of the great ways of looking at villains, besides loading them up with depth, with some internal conflict and uh, personal conflict, so that they're not just these two-dimensional cartoon characters, but, you know, making them complex, looking at sort of why they are doing what they are doing. What's their motivation? One great way to look at villains is as mirrors of the heroes or heroines of the story. In their own mind, the villain is a hero, right? You know, they're, they've, you know, they have a code that they live by. It makes sense to them. They have invested a lot in what they're doing. And as well, it's fantastic when you can get a villain that's uh, got uh, shading, right? It's not, it's not all this sort of black hat, right? But you, we get some grays, and we even get some you know, light involved as well. It just helps to uh, establish, complicate, and uh, it's, it's just darned interesting. So, uh, the villain uh, in, in this first chapter installment is represented by hench people. There we go. I just noticed myself saying henchmen. Oh, Moss, it doesn't matter. It matters to me. It gets me thinking. It gets me thinking about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, want, I want all my characters to be cool and awesome and interesting. And, you know, if, if only half of them are... And then so you can bust that down and you can go, you know, only half. And then if you look at all the male characters and then you bust those down where it's like that don't, you know, conform to, you know, the idea of, you know, how a man ought to be, and then you're sort of cutting, how much do you cut that down? Half again? So you got a, you know, a quarter? Do you keep going? Do you end up with, like, only a few characters that have any depth? So, let us proceed. Villains. The henchmen are chasing. Uh, we don't have any. We don't have any contact, really. It's it's all uh, referenced. It, it's all sort of say things that have happened in the past that motivated 
the protagonist to save this baby and to be uh, against what uh, these uh, hench people are up to. These henchers. Um, we, we see them. We see them, we hear them chasing. And then uh, how I'm wanting to do the arc you know, for the quote-unquote villain is to develop, uh, say, every couple of pages that there's a, uh, an addition to the, say, description, giving us the background information of where they're from, uh, what they do, uh, what makes them, you know, the bad people. And so by, by the time we reach the, you know, the finale of the climax, you know, they, they reach the hill as well, but uh, they, have, they have failed to stop uh, the main character. I think the other thing, too, is that they don't know what's on the hill. They just know, you know, he's like, oh, he's heading for there, we got to cut him off. It, it, talking about it gets me thinking about the crisis. Uh, that there's some kind of success that happens in this, you know, short story. The uh, the bad folks have this success. Something happens. Something occurs. I think it might be something like that. The horse. Uh, stumbles and falls, and it can't go on anymore. And so, the uh, the hero has got to go on foot. So, still thinking about that. Even though the villains aren't there, there's this. For them, it's a, it's a success, right? It's sort of like one more sort of odd in their favor. And two, it, it, it would get a bit more frantic and a bit more, um, you know, the uncertainty, the stakes go up. All of a sudden you don't have this vehicle, this living vehicle anymore. The horse, the horse and the child, the child, the baby, is being, is in a sling uh, and being held by the, um, this protagonist who's riding this horse. Both the baby and the horse have arcs, smaller arcs, but I'm I'm considering them as characters. I want to establish the relationships. And the relationship with the uh, the protagonist for the, is, for both really it shows their the humanity of the main character. Uh, how he treats the horse, right? It could go the opposite, where you know he hits the horse, or he beats the horse, or says you know degrades the horse somehow. That, but that's not the case, you know. Instead, we see this uh, relationship, you know, where they're working together. This synergy. Likewise, the rescuing of this baby, and in the flashback, there's this build-up to it saying, you know, you this is the mission, you've got to go on first. Right? You've got to find this baby, you've got to stop, you know, the uh, this human sacrifice from happening. I'm thinking too of using it as an example and sort of saying that what happened to the main character, um, because I had written this manuscript and it's the backstory, and so come on, brain, catch up with me. So yeah, so what was going to happen to the baby uh, actually happened to the main character. So we can we can see, or you know, we're getting it a bit through dialogue, but we're also say getting hits of description about about this. Especially, I'm, I'm thinking about the crisis, and I'm thinking, yeah, the horse has got to go down there. 
and uh, main character goes on foot, and we see this this damage that has been done uh, to to the main character, like what what would have happened to the baby. So it's about yeah, so it's like a juxtaposing, and uh, the main character knows about. It all of the horrible stuff that go on with this kind of human sacrifice. And too, just just for more information, it's not, you know, it's not a human sacrifice of being, you know, m- ritually murdered, but it's more about being uh, kind of mutilated, I guess. And, uh... Is there anything more to say about that? Also, too, it was just talking about this, reflects on uh, the bad guys, right? It sort of shows what, how uh, messed up and how um, uh, unethical, you know, and unmoral they are, that they would do something like that. So, it, yeah... So it, it, it tells us a lot about sort of both sides, uh, interacting with, you know, this child and uh, gives, us, gives us a sense of who the villain is, uh, you know, deep down. I've started, I've started a murder wall at home, so I've got the name of the, of the villain and... It's a weird thing because I actually, you know, I've only just established. It's like, say, I've only just learned the name of the villain. And, you know, I, I too have just a little bit of information. And so I've posted this up on the wall, you know, the villain's name. And I'm going to buy some red yarn and start sort of adding information. And and sort of linking, linking um Linking ideas and everything like that. Oh, Moss, you could use a computer program for that. Kid, I've been programming since you were in the cradle. There's nothing like tactile, you know. Why? Ah, it's kind of like being a big baby, right? It's just this raw creativity. And to... I don't know if you've been getting these ads, but I just started getting these ads for, you know, devices and programs and modes of thought. If I only just paid the money, right, I would get these, you know, tools and things to prop up my creativity. And maybe it's just that I'm at that stage, but I just sort of sat back and went, I doubt it. You know, I have, I have, I have a system, and it's not dependent on updates and you know all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just raw structure. It's just, you know, you can pick it up at the library. Uh, you don't need you know advertisers telling the that you suck. You know, it's like thanks a lot. You know, really? You're going to sell me your product by suggesting, you know, you're going to paint this picture of, you know, there I am. Look at me. I'm rolling in money. There's the New York Times newspaper. Look at that. Bestseller. Because I used your product. Which is to say that, you know, it's a, it's, I feel devalued. Every time I see those ads, it's just, you know, one more sort of gouge in in the psyche. You know, and what does it take to you know, what does it take to sort of to stop that kind of mutilation of the self? Anywho, go ahead, you know, if if you feel that, you know, that's going to help you out. You know, I swear though, a couple visits to the library, you're going to be in some deep goodness and deep, deeper than any, you know, program or device or whatever. Uh, you'll finger paint a better story, you know, than what they're offering.
<laughs> I've gotten I've gotten wonderfully off track. Jacob the Archer. I I hope you like this. Just to close on that whole thing, a better way to do it, it would be just to say to be honest and just to say, hey, you know what? We believe in your mental health, and you've got everything. We invest in you, right? You have, you know, all the stuff you need is within you. We'd like to supplement, right? Just even just to start off that way, instead of suggesting that we're just these walking tombs, you know, of, you know, you know, zero bank account self-esteem. Wow, this got really angry. Okay, so... (laughs) uh, Character arcs. Getting closer to wrapping up. We've discussed... Actually, it's a good discussion. You know, introducing these different roles and what they serve. The villain is... uh, you know, allowing us to see the the greatness and humanity of the main character. Uh, does it have to be great and humane? No, no, no. We're just talking, you know, general, uh, you know, structure and the purpose. These roles. I must want to say genre roles because these uh, these characters are inhabiting inhabiting roles. The baby, for example, could be called the, the stakes character, right? It's it's all built around the, this child and, you know, finding the child, rescuing the child, keeping the child safe, fighting for the child, keeping the child alive. Other characters. The flashback has a dragon. We go to this dragon island... You know, and there's, it's it, there's some jumping. There's uh, actually I ought to add I, I could add in some extra lines, space between uh, paragraphs just to show that we're jumping. But the what the dragon does is gives us a chance to be in dialogue, and to be revealing information about. Uh, about the goals, the forging of this sword, it does a, a number of things. The main character is disabled, and uh, da da da. Main character is disabled, and what this what this sword does is allows a kind of burst, uh, allows uh, stuff to happen, and say that he might not normally be able to do, he can say for a short while. One of, one of my fears is that I don't want to correct, I, you know, I don't want to sort of say, oh well, now he's fine. The, you know, it's, it's a crutch, you know, it's a it's a crutch. It's medication. Uh, I don't know if you have any experience with medication, but medication deals with the symptoms, right? Is that true? Can medication deal with the cause? Eh, there's an argument there. In this case, that's what I'm talking about. And this this sword is allowing the main character to to face the villain, right? And just normally, uh, he wouldn't be able to in the same way. And so it's, it's sort of adding to the arsenal. And also, on the hill that we're rushing towards for this, you know, the climax of this opening scene, it is buried. He hid it up there with uh, the green gun. So it's these two weapons. It's the sword and the gun. 
pistol, firearm, six-gun, revolver. Uh, talking with the dragon, we get to sort of say, reveal uh, information about these weapons, about uh, what is going to happen. Um, it's, it's setting up everything, right? And I, so I'm taking it seriously and I'm going, okay, you know, what's the end goal for all of this? Uh, one of my projects is to write a manuscript about that, you know, the final confrontation, it, like a, a crisis book, right? It, it, and it's just, it's all about the main character, Corvus, uh, encountering lore, you know, who is this? It's yeah, still up in the air, but sort of a demon lord, this really, the villain, right? And it's just this, the final payoff. And so here I am at the beginning of all of this, considering and going, okay, how do I give it to my reader and say, you know, this is, this is the promise of the premise. This is, you know, I'm going to take you on an adventure. And we're going to do amazing things, you know. We're going to fight monsters. We're going to find treasure. We're going to help people. Bad stuff is going to happen too. But we're going to get through it. And we're going to, you know, we're going to walk all the way. All the way to the finish line. And so in this kind of mini screenplay three act uh story it's 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 in there it's all in there so and this into this so this is one of the tools or techniques you know you can have it for free because i love you <laughs> you know i believe in you in your quest Moss, you're not going to make any money that way. No, but I'm going to empower some people to do some pretty awesome stuff. So suck it. So, dragon. Dragon's ancient has this wisdom. It has uh, knowledge that's assisting. And it pours itself into this sword, this sword made out of shadows. And it, it sort of binds itself, its uh, psyche. I didn't say spirit. <laughs> this is why I'm having trouble with demon lord. I was like, is there a way that I can flip it? Why, Moss? Demons are cool. Uh... So this, so this dragon, it, sort of loading the sword with, uh, in, investing into this, into the sword, that it becomes a wealth of knowledge, for the missions that are going to happen, and the adventures. Uh, there's a kind of mentorship, but I also want conflict. I don't want this to be easy-peasy, you know, where it's sort of, you know, give me every answer. You know, I want, I want riddles. I want it where it doesn't come easy, you know. I want it where there's moments of forgetfulness or disagreement, you know. Um, sort of, you know, the dragon telling the protagonist what the mission is, and then the hero says, no, you know, I have to do something more important. And then the dragon gets upset, you know, and... I will punish you. <laughs> I will discipline you by not telling you what you want to know to achieve your own, you know, uh, morally superior goals, right? But are, you know, what is more important? You know, destroying lore. You know, that's, uh, that's the disagreement.
So the importance of the sword, it becomes uber important to get to the sword. It's been buried up there to keep it safe and keep it secret uh, while going and looking for this uh, baby to save. Why hide the sword? That's to be answered later. It's really easy. It's just, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of a place you can't go with a, you know, a sword made out of nightmares and a uh, green pistol. <laughs> this anachronism. Okay, so... Last character. Last character, best character? Um... Let's see, how can I say this? This character I, I worked on in the manuscript before all this. And it's a slow process to understanding uh, who and what this was. It's a side of the main character, but it's not just that. The, you know, our villain lore put a kind of... Um, I'm going to say it again, a psyche, a psyche spirit, into uh, the main character. <clears throat> and originally I described uh, this spirit, uh, this kind of possession that happened. It's also a prison, though, right? And it's, it's feminine. She can't get out. She's imprisoned. And then it's also a burden for the main character, you know, because he's got this other side of himself. It's a uh, female. She is ancient, basically uh, a kind of a goddess, and uh, or some sort of immortal being that has been, you know, captured and contained for a speci specific purpose, uh, involved in these uh, sacrifices. And so, she creates this conflict. I've bounced around a number of titles like uh, White, W-I-G-H-T, White, the, the White Queen, White Witch, it could be another contender, uh, Crone Mother, just sort of like these, uh, you know, something that means it's old and uh, old and faded, but, and yet has this power and... I've already written about this contrast, you know, between this young hero and then this ancient female force, right? She's she's another part of the equation. Uh, contrary, but they have similar goals. You know, Lore has imprisoned her. She's seeking escape, freedom. And through the first manuscript, they, they come to an agreement that they're going to work together, but of course it's odd couple, you know, it's not an easy thing. We get to see her in the flashback on the Dragon Island, forging the sword. We get to see her character and just how different it is. She's willing to make sacrifices in order to make things work, you know, but she has her own agenda. Uh, the other thing too is she's not human in the in the sense of uh, the main character. So I'm trying to think of like well, what what would be some kind of examples. Uh, maybe the White Witch from Narnia. Maybe some sort of um, vampire queen. Uh, kind of immortal, kind of Galadriel esque, right? So we have this. Just this, you know, sense of power, sense of control. Um, but also it's, it's, it's weird and alien, and the situation uh, in the um, confinement is... <laughs> you sort of clarify, that's something I have to clarify. But via the conversation between our protagonist and then our kind of mentor dragon, and then this female, um, I'm going to say wizard, but that's not quite right. 
and then say all working in tandem. So then when we finally reach the top of the hill, you know, we get the sword, we get the green gun, that it's just loaded. And it's, it's, it's a payoff for when we reach the, the climax of this particular serial. I could, I love it, I could do this, I could just do this, this could be it, and, uh, yeah, that would be brilliant, yeah, all right, is there anything else to say, it's about five minutes, I feel, I, th- I think that I'm most nervous about this inner feminine if you know anything about Jungian psychology, you know, I'm getting into the territory of the, the anima, you know, the feminine. And then two, let's balance it out and say, there's also this uh, animus. And... In... Like, say, if you, if you go farther into the Jungian, you'll, you'll come across... I, th- I think you, might, you sort of might get, because there's these um, things from alchemy, these, this imagery, right, that he uses, uh, the symbolism from there. And so I've adopted some of that into, you know, part of this quest for individuation and, you know, this you know, creating a kind of wholeness via this uh, creative act, this craft we call writing, to shape my imagination, but also to create something right, that I can share and discuss, because nobody's talking about this, and, uh, and so you could say, well, Moss, why don't you just, you know, find somebody, you know, in this sort of Jungian society, da-da-da-da-da, there's just a uh, there's just no inroad. It's I mean there is an inroad, but it it's humiliating, right? This the whole thing, the whole way it's being done. Uh, you know, every every time I have to go and sort of sort of open myself, and uh, you know they go poke around and uh, so what, what else can I say? Mm, yeah, so that. You know, that part of that character, to me, I think is the most important. That it is the kind of crux, or the key, the secret, um, for me. That I, I know I can feel that, you know, sort of like I'm, I'm doing a lot of... Um, that it will be helpful all around, that discussion about uh, this character and uh, this this old woman and there's a lot of grief there uh, and I, 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 I read the symbolism she's a slave It doesn't matter how many times we smash the glass, you know, the, the forces of whatever, you know, tradition, um, you know, it's, the, for me, it's lore, right? I've sort of embodied everything into this uber villain and to fight against the um, oppression of everyone, it's, it's not just you know, one particular group, it's everyone, you know, we are slaves, we are mind slaves, Uh, being, you know, are demeaned, even just say the advertising I was talking about, it's a prime example, nobody should be buying gas-powered cars, that's ridiculous, and yet, you know, boom, 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 every day on Google, 
you know, buy a car, buy this car, buy that car. It'll make you feel good. It'll make you feel manly. It'll make you feel macho. It'll give you power. One does not just walk into Mordor. <laughs> but <laughs> Wrong, Barmir. <laughs> We're going for a walk. Going for a walk and a, a good whiplash of the tongue. All right, are we done now? Yeah, we're done. Okay, thanks for listening. Take care.